Welcome to the inner room, a space where we ponder the inner movements of our heart to find God by finding examples and instructions in daily scripture readings. The emotions in our hearts can help us or hinder us in our spiritual journey. Open your heart, explore your emotions, and align thoughts and emotions with God's plans for you. When we learn to feel and align our emotions, we advance in our prayer life by loving more deeply, remaining in peace more often, and finding courage for the journey of life. My name is Sofia Fonseca de Niño, and a big shout out to my son Marco Niño, producer of this podcast. Sit back or walk with us. You are most welcome here. Friends, happy Easter. We continue in the celebration of our Easter journey as the Lord walks amongst us. He's walking through the walls. He's whispering, peace be with you. He's showing us his hands and feet. And here I am at the studio with my son, Marco, who is joining us. We want to put the context of the readings. Last week, we see coming into the stage Paul and Barnabas. The weeks before that, we had seen mostly John and Peter, all their saga in the Acts of the Apostles as they are persecuted and they are imprisoned and they are seen healing in the temples. And we learn during the Good Shepherd Sunday, the readings that indicate to us that we are the chosen nation because we're the Gentiles. The chosen were the Israelites, but Paul then extends that mantle as he travels around the Mediterranean. So in the middle part of our Easter season, we move from the story of John and Peter to the story of Paul. And as we find them traveling around the Mediterranean, we hear in Good Shepherd Sunday last last uh, weekend that we are the flock of the Lord and that we are the people that he has called by name. So in that sense, we are also chosen and we have to live up to that. We find that we are also reading a lot from the book of Revelation. And last week, there was a crowd and a multitude in the heavens wearing white robes, singing praises to the Lord. And that is our aspiration, isn't it? Because the good shepherd calls us by name. So we move now into the readings for to, uh, for the next Sunday where we find again Paul and Barnabas proclaiming the good news, making a lot of disciples. Last week, they were being accused by the Jews. They were being, there were lots of people whispering and people turning against them. And Paul exhorting everybody with words of wisdom to say, we persecuted Jesus. We hung him. You selected a, a, a path that has taken you away from the truth. And today, we find them exhorting the people to persevere in faith, knowing that we must sometimes undergo hardships. But what do we find the church doing? They're praying, they're fasting, they're commending them to the Lord, and they keep traveling from one city to the next, sailing to Antioch, where we heard that Christians were called Christians first last week. And as they arrive, the church together, they report what God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. Marco, that's a long introduction by your mother. But as we have a call to the Gentiles in our world that continues, what are some of the thoughts that you have as you encounter at the university and in uh, your work where you're working, people that may or may not know Jesus? What do you find that call in your generation 
to continue making disciples that is clear as a message of our Easter season. Yeah, um, thank you for the introduction. It was definitely very, very impactful and very powerful and, and a great overview of the first reading. Um, I think the most important thing that I see in terms of um, one of the big differences in the Catholic Church and one of the differences between my university um, is the Catholic Church is the big difference is that they preach about works and not just words. Here um, in the first reading, it says it was necessary for us to undergo many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. They appointed elders for them in each church with prayer and fasting, commended them to the Lord. So you can clearly tell that they're talking not only about um, God, but they're also speaking in terms of um, what you can do to find God. In my university, um, they're scared of giving people difficult tasks and difficult um, sort of lots of prayers or um, a strong community. They'd rather have a wider net of people than a smaller net of good people. And I think it's because the people that they already have are very few. And so they think that by adding more people or by making it more difficult, they're going to push the, the few people that are already there away from the church. And I think that's a big mistake because I'd rather have three or four fervent Catholics than a hundred or 15 even lukewarm Catholics. Um, and everyone is lowered to the level in which the community acts. So in our community, there's, you know, much less prayer or, or not much less, but just compared to um, where I think it should be. And because of that, people are less inspired. And, you know, everyone seems to be in this limbo state, which, as it says in the first reading, is not the way to act. It is necessary to undergo many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. It's a necessary piece with prayer and fasting. And you can also tell that among, in this hardship, you've seen many religions fall, but the one religion that's able to stay is the Catholic religion. That's because we have God on our side. If you make a difficult religion that has no, that, that has no basis in truth, it's difficult for it to survive because the root is not strong. So those are the main things that I've got out of the first reading. That's impactful to know that in this world that seeks a lot of comfort, any time that we see uh, hardship in the news, you can see commercials that are constantly advertising medicine. If you have uh, social discomfort or you know medicine, if you have um, physical discomfort, and the schools now have teams that are uh, there ready for emotional discomfort. So we are creating a society that really focuses so much on comfort that the idea that Paul describes about hardship seems almost hard to sell in, a, in our world. And the psalm for today is 145. I will praise your name forever, my King and my God. How can we praise a God that is inviting us to hardship? It's not that he's inviting us to hardship, but he's inviting us to his kingdom. And as we proclaim the kingdom... We see hardship. We see what's happened in Roe versus Wade. You know, a tabernacle stolen in one of our churches in you know nearby and in graffiti in another church. 
So those are hardships uh, because we stand up for life. That's not necessarily welcome. So how can we then say, I will praise your name forever, my King and my God? It almost seems like a contradiction. And yet that is the, the source of our impetus, of our momentum to build up and say, the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness. He's good to all. How do you see that idea of praising the Lord in your environment? Again, in the psalm, David's talking about praising God. And the first, the first sort of paragraph, he says, The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness. The Lord is good to all and compassionate towards all his works. It's setting up God in this light of greatness, which he deserves completely. And the second paragraph talks about what we should do in response to that. Again, hearkening back to the fact that we are so lukewarm, even the most fervent of us in terms of not in terms of sometimes we don't give all of our love towards God or we don't put him first in the way we in the way we act. It's easy to think that we're fervent when we're among people who are not. When when being around great people rises you to an even greater level. And that's the growth that's necessary throughout everyone's life. But we need to bring people to that level because if not, we will always stay stagnant and never be getting close, growing closer towards God. It says, let all your works give you thanks and let the faithful ones bless you. Let, let them discourse of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might. Speaking of what is deserving, what we should give God because he is gracious, because he is merciful, because he is so great in kindness. This is one of the things that we're invited to do, to sing the praises of God and to share what God is doing in our life, in what way the Lord is inviting us deeper into a sense of intimacy with Him. And when we tell others those works of the Lord in our life, you know, it's, we live in a world that seems to talk a lot about anxiety and depression and emotions that go up and down, but the Lord offers us a sense of connection to the source of all life that is himself. And we continue on the second reading uh, in the book of Revelation, where we find John seeing a new heaven and a new earth, and the former heaven and the former earth have passed away. So these are the kinds of works that we can talk about in our own conversion story, that the ways in which as we become more intimate with God, we find that Parts of our old self are left behind. And all of, us, all of us have those parts of our story that do not serve us anymore. We grow out of, of certain habits or certain uh, vices or, or certain sinful tendencies. And we know that the Lord in his great mercy, he doesn't judge us. He actually makes us new. And that is such a message of, of hope to know that the Lord wants to make our hearts new, our minds new. He wants to renew us, that we can bring that to the marketplace, to the school, to the family members that don't know the Lord. This is the year where the prodigals are coming home. We're praying because it's a year where we need unity and we find that that's not. So what do you make, Marco, about the book of Revelation? That can be a, a pretty hard book to read, but today's story I find pretty hopeful. So yeah, make? no, I mean, compared to the darkness that um, is contrasted in some other parts of Revelation. This is not only very hopeful, but it's also incredibly beautiful because it says that 
Behold, God's dwelling is with the human race. That even once the sea is no more, that God will still be with us. That he never leaves us. And God himself will always be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there shall be no more death or mourning, wailing or pain. For the old order has passed away. I mean, the significance of this just goes further to show how much we should love God that even someone who gave us everything when he when when it's taken away from us stays with us stays with us always i mean that should just bring about within you the greatest feeling of appreciation for the lord and also help you to understand that these worldly pleasures these worldly thoughts these worldly concerns All these things that supposedly give you joy will all be washed away and there will only be God in the end. And he will nonetheless wipe away every tear from their eyes. I I think it's just such a beautiful reading. I repeat the last sentence of today's reading. Behold, I make all things new as one of my favorite verses in the Bible, especially when I'm in a moment of hardship, when I'm seeing something that is falling apart, when I see a relationship that is not going in the right direction, where I really feel at a loss for what to tell one of my kids or a friend that may be in, in difficulty, to actually use the words of God. We know from Isaiah fifty-five eleven that no word of God that is uttered ever goes into the world and doesn't come back with fruit. So when we say, behold, the Lord makes all things new, then we have the hope that we can have renewal within our lives. And then we move into the beautiful reading of John chapter 13. We see Judas is leaving and then Jesus says, you know, I, the son of man, glorified. And so he he goes into one of these deep dives that John does theologically and he describes himself. What do you think, Marco? What do you want to uh, highlight in there? gospel reading for today it shows that jesus cannot be with us in the flesh forever and and it's a great thing that that is the case we might not see that initially at times we wish that jesus could be with us and sometimes we're in prayer and we wonder to ourselves why do some people say that they're having a conversation with god i can't can't have a conversation with god that seems impossible how is he going to speak to me and it seems like we wish we could go back to a time when God was, when Jesus was still with us, because God is always with us, when Jesus was still on earth in the flesh. And the beautiful thing about it is twofold. Number one, when Thomas says to Jesus, he needs to see his wounds and feel his wounds. And Jesus says to him, those who do not see my wounds and still believe have a greater faith. I mean, I guess that encapsulates both pieces insofar as there is a greater beauty in believing in Jesus and not seeing him. A beauty that we are not able to attain if he is with us. And I, and I just find that so, 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 so powerful. And, and the second part when he says, I give you a new commandment, love one another as I have loved you. So you also should love, so, so you also should love one another. Sometimes we take this statement for granted if we take it out of context from Jesus's past thoughts and past actions towards and with us. Jesus was willing to die an innocent person 
for us to have eternal life. So when he says, love one another as I have loved you, Jesus gave himself to us completely. And we might not understand it, but he's asking us to do the same. Love one another as I have loved you. So you also should love one another. Repeating it again so it just sticks with us. But sometimes it seems, because it's out of context, it's a sort of flimsy or easy love. But love is not simple and love is not an easy effect. It's the giving of one's self to another. And Jesus is asking us to shine and bring his light to others and to love others. And I think that that's really just incredible. Wow, Marco. I am just so moved by your words. And as I connect them to the first reading where we hear Paul inviting and exhorting people to be one and to and to know that he's opened the door to the to faith to the Gentiles and we're supposed to do this in that in the Psalm 145 we're praising the name of God and that is our song as the Gentiles coming to the Lord and that in the book of Revelation in chapter 21 we hear the Lord making all things new and extending the mantle from the Jewish people to the Gentiles we find the Lord saying what you just said and he ends the chap- this little chapter by saying, this is how all will know that you are my disciples. This is how we, as now Gentiles called to follow the Lord, are going to be known. We're going to be praising the Father's name in, in, with Psalm 145. We're going to be knowing that the Lord makes all things new. And we're going to be recognized by the way we love one another. And as you will say, the Lord had to go to sit to the right hand of the Father. And yet in his infinite love for us, he remained in the flesh, in the Eucharist. So he lives in the body, but he remains in the flesh. And he remains in our tabernacles to fulfill the promise that he will stay with us until the end of time. And he stays in the flesh that we can receive in the Eucharist, that can feed us that can nourish us in the journey. He is so loving to us that he wants to remain amongst us until the end of time. So much so that the angels look at us, that we ourselves have become tabernacles and they stay around us to assist us in the journey. It is such a profound story in the journey of Easter. So friends, let us go to the throne together and say, Father Almighty, You are such a good father. Thank you because you have sent your son and he remains with us. He's seated at your right hand at the Holy of Holies, interceding for us, bringing our prayers, Father. And your Holy Spirit is groaning from within us, Father. And your son is with us in our midst, inside of our hearts as we receive him in the Eucharist so that we are joining heaven and earth, Father. May we proclaim this truth to all those that are around us, all of those that are depressed or anxious, that do not know the truth and the joy that the Lord has said, behold, I make all things new. Bring your shalom and your angels to those in our families and our friendships and our workplaces and our schools, Father, that do not know you. And may they recognize you in the love that we have for one another. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hello, this is Sofia Fonseca de Niño, and I welcome you to this inner room. You can find us on Facebook, 
Twitter, and Instagram under the Inner Room Emotions in the Bible. And we would love to hear your questions, your ideas, or your comments. Thank you for joining us today.